So we're in a series right now called Freedom, and uh, a lot of people that I talk to are bound by finances. A lot of people that I talk to are in a bondage involving finances. So today, we're going to talk about the two different GPSs, the one GPS that leads you down a dead end and the other GPS that leads you to financial freedom. So I'm hoping that everyone will join me on this one, and I'm hoping that today that each and every one of us walks out of here with a spirit of hope, and a spirit instead of a spirit of shame or a spirit of heaviness like we talked about last week, but that you walk out of here with a, a deep sense of hope in your heart. But before we do that, I, I would like to just ask you if you would join me. Uh, I, it, I know that it probably seems a little bit sparse in here today. That's because we have 90 kids up at youth camp. And so I would like to ask you if you guys would just join me in praying for them. I went up yesterday and it was really fun. Those kids are just having a blast. And the leaders are just exhausted. So if you guys would join me in praying for our young people. (sighs) Father, we just thank you so much that you are so good. We thank you so much, Lord, that these young people have their whole lives ahead of them to serve you and to discover how wonderful and how beautiful you are. We just come before you today. We come before you humbly, and we ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you'd pour out your spirit up at Big Canyon Ranch, up at that camp. We ask, Lord, that you would help those students, those kids, those children, teenagers who are struggling with depression, with social pressures, with bullying, with anxiety, with thoughts of suicide, with gender confusion and sexual identity issues and all the things that bombard them today. And Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, pour out a spirit of hope, Lord, the the theme this year is reprogramming. Lord, we ask that their minds would be reprogrammed. Lord, we ask that each and every one of them would return down to real life more pumped and more jazz than ever and ready to serve you with their whole lives. We pray that the seed of your word would not be snatched away, God, but each and every person who's up there would just be blown away by your goodness. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So how many of you have ever plugged an address into your GPS system and it took you to the wrong place? Okay, another office reference. Remember the the episode where Michael and Dwight end up in the lake because the GPS said to turn... um, I've had some frustrating experiences with that where you put in the right address, but then it just, either it takes you on this long, like roundabout way. One time I was going down to the, or up to the train station downtown, and which I didn't even know there was a train station, but I had some Swiss friends that came in and they took the train. And so I literally took the, the 600 South exit three times. I may or may not have uttered a word that I'm not proud of. At that point, it is so frustrating, isn't it? When you know you're plugging in the right address and you end up either going a roundabout way or not finding the place. One time when I was in, in uh, Arizona, I was supposed to meet somebody at a 
Paradise Bakery, and I plugged in the address, and I literally showed up at this. It was, it was the middle of a cactus field. <laughs> and it said, arrived. And I'm like, no, I have not arrived. So you can be really frustrating. So today we're going to talk about the dead-end road when it comes to our finances. The, the road that leads you to a place you don't want to end up. A road that leads you to more bondage and a, a road that leads you to a lack of hope and, and more debt and insecurity and all of that. So I'm going to do little acronyms. So, so our first GPS, we're going to start with today, the G stands for greed. Okay, Jesus talked about money a lot. And I, I want to give you a little disclaimer here. I don't talk about money a lot, much to the chagrin of some people that I work with. People think that I need to talk about money more. And I'll tell you the reason that I don't is because I don't want to be misunderstood as, as um, trying to build a little kingdom here or a little agenda or anything like that. I, I really have none of that in me at all. My hope and my desire is for each and every person at the Adventure Church to be financially free. That is really the goal. And so that's why I'm going to talk about it today because Jesus talked about it a lot. Jesus talked about it more than just about any other subject. And the reason that I believe that Jesus had to talk about it a lot is because our hearts are tied to our wallets. Are they not? Our hearts are, are a reflection or I mean our finances are a reflection of what is in our heart. So, so Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, he says, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Jesus is saying this now. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Can I get a volunteer to come up here? Anybody? Come on up, girl. I want you to help me out here. Where's my, my stash? I have a stash. Yeah, there's a lot of money up here. What happened to it? <laughs> She's grabbing it. Okay, I had it up here. Somebody took it. I had like $160 up here. <laughs> okay, come here. Okay, so what I'd like you to do is, is look at this and tell me what it says right there. God we trust. What does it say? In God we trust. In God we trust. Is that not ironic that the thing that is used for illicit, you can have that. Thank you so much. Can you thank Lindsay? Oh, she, she tied me. <laughs> the thing that is used for all kinds of illicit activities, the thing that is used to pay for horrible things, drugs and, um, you know, other things. The thing that is rolled up and used to snort substances up your nose. That on this, it says, in God we trust. Isn't that amazing? And yet, how many people, oh, here it is. I found it. I trusted in God, and here it is. So I have here, it says on a $1 bill, in God we trust. It says on a $5 bill, in God we trust. It says on a $10 bill, in God we trust. It says on a $20 bill, in God we trust, and even on a Benjamin. In God we trust. 
How many of us really can say that, though, when it comes to this? How many of us would, could say, I trust in God with my finances? And how, much, how many of us would have to honestly admit, that's an area where I struggle? I just want to say that beyond a shadow of a doubt, God's grace is preeminent here. That if you've blown it in your finances or you have guilt because of finances, God wants you to sense that he has grace for you and he wants to show you his goodness. But he does say, beware of any kind of greed. Proverbs 1.9 says, that such is the fate of all who are greedy for money, it robs them of life. Greed can actually rob you of life. And how many of us have heard stories or, or seen people who have, because of money, ended up losing their life physically? It'll rob you of life in every different way, spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes even physically. Um, Proverbs 20, verse 25 says, Greed causes fighting, but trusting in the Lord leads to what? Prosperity. I, uh, I talked to a young man one time. I personally, I'm just going to say this. I know that this can be a controversial subject. I am absolutely convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt of the faithfulness of God when it comes to finances, when you obey his principles, when you honor the ways of the Lord, God is always, always, always faithful, including the area of finances. And I am convinced in my own mind, and I have been convinced through the years by circumstances, that God will always honor his promises and he will always honor his principles, including the promise to provide for us when we honor his ways. Most of the time, when I talk to people who are struggling financially, most of the time what I hear is that they're not giving, that they don't give. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I want to tell you kind of a funny story. There was a young man who... Um, he was in a, a position of leadership here at the adventure, and so um, I, I found out that he wasn't giving. And so I went to him and I said, you know, can you give me a little insight? Can you give me a little background? You know, why, why is it that you don't give? And he goes, eh, I guess I'm just greedy. <laughs> Isn't that refreshing? He's just honest. He's like, nah, I think I'm just greedy. And then he switched around and he started to give and God has totally blessed him. Ephesians 5.5 5 says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Isn't this amazing that in this list, immoral, impure, and greedy, it says they will not inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. So this is a big deal. It says, for a greedy person is an idolater who worships the things of this world. Whatever you think about the most is the thing that, that you worship. If you think most about money, if you obsess about money all the time, that's a form of worship. And you will become like whatever it is that you worship. So if you tend to constantly worship money or think about money, you will probably be considered a greedy person. And without the grace of God, you know, none of us have a chance anyway, right? 
We're not saved by our works. But this is an indication of how significant this is to God, that greed is a big deal. And Jesus makes this point again and again and again. Um, Another, the P in this, so G is greed, P is poverty. I truly believe that there's a demonic spirit of poverty that keeps people from getting set free. I really believe that people can have this hoarding mentality or this this attitude where they don't freely give either to God or to other people or even spend it on themselves because they're so worried that they're never going to get any more. And I know that this can be rooted in a lot of things. You know, sometimes children, if they, if they grow up in a home where they hear parents talking about money all the time or worrying about money or stressing about money, kids can unfortunately become a victim of this kind of a mentality, that hoarding thing. And, and I used to fall into this category. I, I don't know that my parents talked about money. I don't think they did. I think they really wisely kept their financial issues from us. But in the 70s, both of my parents lost businesses when interest rates were 21%. And they both lost businesses. And, and I don't know if I just picked up on something, but there was a spirit that I struggled with, of poverty, where I wouldn't spend money on anything or anybody. It was just like I was so tight-fisted. And that was not freedom either. Some people would have, may have called me frugal at the time, but God has set me free. He's delivered me from that. And I just want to offer you that hope too. If you struggle with that, if, you, if, you, if you're always worried that you're not going to have enough, the promises of the Lord are that he will provide for all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I was convicted when I read this um, years ago. It says in Leviticus 23, 22, when you harvest the crops of your land, don't harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop, but leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. The first time I read this, I was really convicted of this, of this particular thing. I was convicted of my hoarding and of my tight-fistedness because I felt like the Lord was trying to say, just be free. Be free from this. Proverbs 23, 5 says, Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Anybody have this happen to them firsthand? You're sitting there, oh, my precious. (laughs) Casting a glance, like focusing on money. And all of a sudden, I've always wanted to do that. It's like, where is it? What happened? Cast a glance at riches and they will surely sprout wings and fly off. Isn't that the case? That might be a warning to some of you. Okay, so the G is greed. The P is poverty. And the S is selfishness. It's just plain old selfishness. You spend money on yourself. Every time you think about money, it always has to do with how am I going to spend this? In Ecclesiastes 5, Solomon, who incidentally was the richest man on the face of the earth, said, whoever loves money never has enough. Who, whoa, wait a minute. Who let that settle in. Whoever loves money never has enough. One time Rockefeller, who was the richest man on the face of the earth at the time, um, they asked him, how much is enough money? And he said, just one dollar more than I have. 
Whoever loves money never has enough. I know those of you in this place who have had a lot of money, you can say this. It's never, it never feels like enough. You never feel like, okay, that's good. I've had enough. It says, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, is, this too is meaningless. Matthew 6, 24, here's Jesus again. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Whatever you think most about is that which you worship. You cannot serve both God and money. The Bible says that money is the root of all sorts of evil, right? Nope. It's the love of money. That's this. Money. Money is just a reflection of what's in your heart. The way you spend your money is a reflection of what's in your heart. I don't know how many of you know Colonel Sanders. Anybody know who Colonel Sanders is? The founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He has a crazy story, and I don't have time to go into the whole thing now, but if you have a chance, go online and read his story. He couldn't figure out what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he had a lot of problems, and so eventually... When he was over the age of 70, he opened up his first KFC franchise. Does anybody know where? Salt Lake City. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Makes sense, right? <laughs> but he was over 70 years old, and then he ended up making this fortune. And I've heard it said that he was a reverse tither. Anybody know what a reverse tither is? They live on 10% and give away the other 90 Hashtag goals, right? I'm willing to try. <laughs> but Colonel Sanders knew. And he even says this. He goes, he goes, I don't put my hope in money. I give my money away because I want the kingdom of God to be expanded. Isn't that amazing? 1 Timothy 6.17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You know, it's saying, it's saying if you're rich, first of all, don't put your hope in it. Because it can fly away. One catastrophic incident could take it all away. Don't put your hope in riches, it says. Put your hope in God. And then it says, it's a command. If you're rich, and I know all of you are rich, and the reason I know that is because you live in America. Compared to the rest of the world, we are all rich. And it says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Actually, the Bible says that we're supposed to try to outdo one another in love and good deeds. That's a good challenge, isn't it? Try to outdo one another. Um, my daughters and I, we do, we call it Venmo Wars. We're always trying to outdo each other in generosity. So whenever, you know, we get to a coffee shop, let me buy, let me buy, no, let me buy, let me buy. And so what we'll do is, so, which is really actually really annoying because if I ever buy, then they'll Venmo me for the amount of the drink. Well, so then what I've decided I'm going to start doing is Venmo back double what they Venmoed me. 
If you don't know what Venmo is, it's a, it's a financial app. And so, so one time my daughter and I were doing a Venmo war, so I bought her a latte. She Venmoed me $5, I Venmoed her $10 back. She Venmoed me $20 back, I Venmoed her $40 back and blocked her. So she couldn't buy <laughs> That's what the Bible says. It's like a challenge. Outdo one another in love and good deeds. That's good competition. That's some good, solid competition there. So the GPS that leads you down the dead end is going to start with greed. You're just greedy. Or, I'm not accusing you, I'm just saying in general, greedy or have a spirit of poverty, that, that stress about it, or just a plain old selfishness just spending on yourself. And this can lead to all kinds of horrible things. This can lead you to a really bad place, like debt. Let me talk about debt for a minute. I'm not going to look at anybody. Um, I'm not going to say across the board that debt is just a sign of impatience, but most of the time it is. You're not willing to wait. You're not willing to, to just save up the money. You just want it now. Most of the time, that's where debt starts. And this GPS, greed and poverty and selfishness, can lead you down a path of indulgence, a path of, of tight, being tight with your money. Uh, it can lead you to a place of not even being dependent on God. You know, money can really expose the character of a person. You know, if they're given a lot of money, it'll kind of expose who that person is. Um, it can definitely lead to pride, jealousy, comparison, or the kingdom of self. One of my favorite Bible teachers is Chuck Swindoll, and he talks about, and I know I've shared this with you before, but he says, I would much rather have trials than great wealth. He said, because when you have a trial, you have no choices to make. You just have to get through it. You just have to survive it and hopefully allow the Lord to change your character. But when you have money, when you have wealth, you have to make a lot of choices. You have to decide, okay, well, how much should I give to the kingdom of heaven? How much can I spend on myself? Can I spend anything on myself? Can I spend it on my family? You know, you have a lot of decisions to make. And I've, I've met many people who came into great riches and they say, first of all, it doesn't fulfill you. And second of all, it burdens you. Because you're always concerned about, oh, I want to honor God with my money, but I'm not sure how to find that balance. And that's why I really believe the Lord wants us to be free from that and free from that worry. So now we've talked about the dead end road to finances, greed, poverty, selfishness. Now we're going to talk about the GPS that leads you to financial freedom. How many are in? 14. Yeah. <laughs> the superhighway. This is the superhighway to financial freedom. Guaranteed. Money back. The first thing the first and most important thing, G, anybody have any guesses about what it is? Generosity as a lifestyle. Being generous as a lifestyle. Martin Luther once said that the Christian goes through three conversions. The first one is of the heart, the second one is of the mind, and the third one is of the purse. That's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. That whatever is in your heart is reflected by the way that you spend money and give money away. And a generous 
The Bible says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. And again, I'm going to say this. I have seen it again and again and again. People who are generous, God will always provide for their needs, sometimes in a creative way, but God is a provider. And Proverbs 21:26 says, some people are just always greedy for more, but the godly do what? They love to give. The godly love to give. And here's Jesus again in Luke 6, 38. Give and you will receive. It says, give and it will be given back to you. It will, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's quite a promise. Now, I want to address something here because I know there are probably some of you and you're like, I am a generous person. I give and I don't have this. I want to say again, the Lord knows your heart. He knows what's in your heart and he knows what you need when you need it. But his principles are always true. There's, there's a small group of ladies in our church. They do a Bible study together. And there was another um, woman who was joining them who was going through a really, really hard financial time. And these women in this small group just got together behind her back and took an offering between them. And they came up with more than $1,000 to just hand to this poor woman who was struggling and isn't that fun when you do that? When you give to somebody, isn't that the most fun? Some of you are like, nope. <laughs> um, the book of 2 Corinthians. Corinthians was a very wealthy church. And uh, Paul the Apostle was talking to them about this other church in Macedonia that was very impoverished. And the church in Macedonia was exceedingly generous. They loved to give. They, they were giving over and over and over again, even though they were poor. And so Paul is, is talking to the church at Corinth about these guys in Macedonia, saying these guys are super generous. And what he says in uh, chapter 8, verse 3, he says, I can testify they gave not only what they could afford but far more. And they did it of their own free will. And then later on, Paul goes on to say in chapter 9, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will only get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And I want you to hear that. Don't give reluctantly. Don't do it unto me. Don't do it if, if you're feeling pressured from me. That's not the point. It says God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a person who goes, Lord, I trust you with my finances. I'm going to believe that you're going to provide for all of my needs. Lord, I'm going to give to you. This is an act of worship. Lord, I trust you. And I know that it's hard, but it says here the promise in verse 8, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Acts 20, 35, it says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Can you say that last part with me? It is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you, uh, well, I won't ask. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus is talking about these rich, rich, rich people who were coming into their temple and they were just stuffing the offering box or whatever with money. They were very wealthy and they were just putting tons and tons of money into it. And then there came this little widow and she had two coins which was all she had. And she too put that in there. It was nothing. It was a pittance. She put her two cents in. But then these wealthy, wealthy people were standing there. She puts in two cents. Wow. And Jesus commended her because it was a sacrifice. And I just want to say this, if it makes sense on paper, how much faith is really required? You know, this is a life of faith. We live a life of faith. It doesn't always make sense to be generous. It doesn't always make sense to give until it actually hurts. But that's what we're called to. That is the standard we're called to. Sacrificial giving so that God can blow us away and give us even more. And I'm not saying that's our motivation behind it. God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to be free to be able to, to give and to be generous to others and to model that. It's not, giving, it's not giving according to your means. It's giving beyond your means. This is really the standard that he's calling us to. If it doesn't hurt, then it's not much of a sacrifice, right? You guys are so quiet today. <laughs> I know this is a difficult topic. And I know that this is a topic that can be pretty emotional. And I just want to say right now at this moment, if you've blown it financially, either you've gotten yourself into debt or whatever it is, the Lord has grace for you. The Lord wants to demonstrate his faithfulness to you. He wants to increase your hope. He wants to increase your faith today. And I am not a prosperity teacher. I'm not about naming it and claiming it and blabbing it and grabbing it. I'm not about any of that. But I have seen the faithfulness of the Lord over and over and over. And one of the people that I have watched God do tremendous things as a friend of mine. Um, his name is Gabe Kramer. And if you don't know him, if you were at our 2020 anniversary, you know Gabe is an intense guy. <laughs> and he's full of energy. And I've asked him to kind of come up and share a little bit about his story with us. Would you please welcome with me Gabe Kramer? Uh, here. <laughs> wow. Um. Can I give you my Venmo account? Uh, just, <laughs> no. just teasing, maybe. Um, you know, I wanted to share kind of my wife and I, uh, our story uh, and, and what, how faithful the Lord has been to us. Uh, we, we did make a decision to, to give to the Lord. Uh, actually, right when we first came here to the adventure, uh, we, we really, I don't know, we, we became convicted you know, uh, and seeing everything that God is doing through people here in, in, in this body, 
we knew that we just couldn't continue living as, as Christians without giving anything or just even giving a little, you know what I mean? So uh, I want to share this little story. It's, it's kind of crazy, and, uh, and I, I truly hope it, it, it uh, brings glory to, the God, to God and, and what he can do, right? Um, and uh, anyway, so let me just get into it. Um, so I wanted to read first uh, from Psalms 24.1, where uh, the psalmist writes, The earth is mine and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The earth is mine and everything in it. Uh, we actually don't own anything, right? Everything is God's. Um, we, so my wife and I founded the adventure. We, we came here, like, not founded, we, we, we found it. Um, <laughs> and, excuse me. Late uh, 2009, beginning of 2010, right? And this came from us living in, we were living in Las Vegas at the time. My, you know, it was right when the market crashed, and my wife, I, I don't know if she came home or came to my work, and she was crying because she got laid off, right? I said, oh, don't worry, babe, you know. It, this, I was a little worried, but, you know, don't, don't worry. The Lord's going to provide. So about a week later, my company said, hey, we're closing the doors here. <laughs> we're gonna. So we're like, we both lose our jobs, right? And uh, at that point, it's like, all right, well, Lord, where do you want us? What do you want us to do? Um, we were praying, trying to figure this out things started opening up here. And so we felt like, okay, God is leading us to Utah, of all places. So that's how we got here. Uh, we came to the adventure early 2010, so about 10 years now. One of the first people I met was Chris Stringfellow. Where's Chris? I see him. There he is. There he is, right there. Chris is actually uh, what, what, the first convert from, at, at the Adventure Church here. So he's been here almost the longest, uh, other than those who founded it. So uh, anyway, uh, Chris and I, I, and this is even crazier how he agreed to this, but I, I, we went to lunch one day at Del Taco. That's my new Wi-Fi name and my password. <laughs> my house is Del Taco. Um, so <laughs> we, we were sitting at Del Taco, and I'm telling him about this idea. I have this idea for this business and training online and things like that, and he actually agreed to help me. I'll help you. I don't even know why he did because it sucked so much of his time. And anyway, but we were both owners at this thing, and we and so we launched this business. <laughs> and um, at the same time, at literally like the same time in, in my life is when my wife and I decided, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna give the Lord on a regular basis. We're gonna tithe. And Chris and I at that point we said, you know what? I mean, we don't have anything with this thing. We're gonna commit twenty uh, percent. We're going to double tithe this uh, from the profits we get from, from this business that wasn't making any money, right? So uh, we, we did that. And, um, you know, my, my wife and I did find jobs here. We, at that time, I was working lots of overtime on a big project. I was making like the, the most I had made at that point, And she was making pretty good too, almost the same thing for her. And so we started paying off a lot of debt. And I, I'm really glad we did this. We were in a lot of debt. We had a lot of credit card debt and car payments and things like that. So we were knocking those things out. Didn't have a lot of fun, didn't take vacations, didn't eat them out much, but we freed up, you know, 700 plus dollars a month in just monthly debt. And we paid off like over 40 grand. And this was like 14 months, right? But we were, you know, we were giving to the Lord as well. And, uh, but then our finances started to change. And uh, the big project I was on went away. I worked, I went to other things, but I, the overtime was gone. So that was a huge 
hit for us. And then Lynette's job, uh, her, her boss was cheating the IRS and they like were catching up to him. And so they were like investigating him. So she found out and started freaking out. So she left there and that business closed. She did get another job, but she was making like less than half of what she was making at that other one. So our income just continues to drop. Uh, when we were in Vegas, we, we bought a condo for 205,000. It was like, I don't know, 1,000 square feet. And right at 2007, best time to buy, right? So, <laughs> and you know, we, we couldn't hang on to that anymore. So it's short sold for 58,000. Uh, then we started having car problems. Both cars were breaking down and, you know, blown head gasket and all kinds of things. So uh, it, it, then we had kids, right? <laughs> I mean, just name it. Boom, 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 right? Everything. Everything was going down, downhill, right? And uh, what do you do when you promise the Lord, like, hey, I'm going to give and everything goes down? Well, you can either stop giving or you can be faithful to the Lord because he will be faithful to you. So we continue to be faithful to the Lord. And, um, and it was not easy. Uh, we were in here a few months at Jesus Feeds getting food because we just didn't have enough to buy food even. And it was, that was pretty humbling for me to be walking in and uh, asking for that. Uh, but, but praise God, even at the lowest points, you know, we, he always provided. You know, we never went hungry. We never lost the house. We never went without and this is the faithfulness of our Father. Um, so we struggled for, for a while, you know, for several years. And then the business started bringing in some extra money. And uh, then it started to grow like 50% and 75%. 2018, it grew, it, it, it grew like almost 150% from the year before. And Chris and I were just blown away. By this, you know, uh, crazy. And, and I, you know, I'm still working a day job and in 2018 and, and I'm writing myself these checks that are like exceeding my like work for six months at the job. And then I, I wrote myself a check that was even more than my whole year's worth of work, right? In three months. And we we're just blown away. And, and, and I, I sit back and think of that. And, and, you know, I mean, Chris and I obviously talk all the time I mean, is, was it really a coincidence that at the same time we decided we're going to give our lives, we're going to give this area finances to the Lord. We're going to trust him with our money, actually trust him and, and give him what's partly his. It was all of it's his anyway, but we're just going to give him 10%, right? And then we committed more for the business, you know? And then seven years later, I'm in a position where you know, I, can even, I can even tell a story, you know? Um. It's no coincidence. And the, you know, I don't know what the Lord has for you or, or you know, how long maybe you've maybe been struggling or, you know, maybe, maybe you haven't made the decision to really, really give to the Lord and say, you know what, all that I have is yours and I'm going to show you that and I'm going to honor you and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give back what you, you're going to take care of me. I mean, is my business really, is our business providing for us? No, it's the Lord. The Lord provides for us. And I mean, this thing could tank like next year, right? I'm not going to knock on wood, but it, it could. Um, but you know, the Lord's going to provide because he already has for the first like 40 years of my life. He's going to provide for us. And 
I, I just want to encourage you as brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, don't, don't let money be an issue between you and the king. Don't, don't. Um, because you don't want to get down the road, you know, seven years down the road. It, it, we, we saw seven years, you know, this took seven years, and then we see this, this increase and this, you know, this beautiful blessing for us. Um, but if, if you're not honoring the Lord in this way, what's going to happen seven years down the road for you? You know, and, and what, what is the Lord going to give you at that point? What are you going to have from the Lord at that point if, if you're not honoring him like this, right? So um, I, I just, I just want to praise God for this, right? Uh, America, it's like, you know, we, we, we don't want any trials and we want to make a lot of money, right? Isn't that Americans? <laughs> yeah. Avoid all the trials and let's make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But that is not the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is truly better to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we, don't, we, don't give, we don't give, like, we're free to give. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, you could talk to my wife. Like, we, we, are free, we freely give. And it is such a joy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I'm, I challenge myself and it's like I challenge God. It's like, I, I, I want to give more. You know, how, what else can we do? Yeah. And, and, and I'm, it's, it's the best way to live. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how much you have or how much you don't have. You can give generously if you have little. That's right. Right? And if you, you may think, well, if I had a lot of money, sure, I'd give a lot. Well, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. That's right. So... Can you anyway, guys thank you Gabe guys. for Thanks. sharing? Thank you. Yeah. That, you know, thank God. I, I remember walking with them through that, you know, when he made the decision. And they actually decided that they, I don't know if I'm not supposed to say this, but um, they, they decided they were going to give the Lord the first 20%, which I call a twithe. Twenty percent. Anyway, um, so he he talked a lot about tithe. The word tithe means tenth, and I know in this area, tithing is like a big issue. It's like a big, you know, kind of a bummer. But I'm telling you, the things of the Lord are opposite. The things of the Lord, it's upside down. Either you control your money or your money is going to control you. If you are not bound to money, bound to greed, bound to, to the things of this world, you are going to be so much more free to be able to give generously. And you know, it talks in Malachi, the book of, of Malachi, about robbing God, robbing the tithe. And people are like, oh, well, that's all old covenant. But here's what Jesus says in it, in the New Testament, Luke eleven forty two. He says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes. This is Jesus saying this, you should tithe. Yes. But don't neglect the more important things. Jesus is saying, don't neglect the heart issues. You know, people always ask me, do I have to give, a ten, give 10%? And I'm like, well, that's a good place to start. 10%, it's so black and white. I mean, it's like, it's like God gives you this, all of this. It's all his anyway. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is mine, he says. He's just saying, show me that you trust me. Just give me the first one. I'm going to let you use all of this. 
It's very black and white. And you know, people will, will sometimes say, oh, well, I tithe my time. Well, that's good, you should. You should tithe your time, you should tithe your talents, you should tithe your treasures. It's all of the above. You can't replace it because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And if your treasure is so bound that you can't even give generously to the God who gave his best, gave his only son, you are going to be bound. You're going to have anxiety. You're not going to be able to prosper and be free from the chains that finances can put on you. And again, you know, I've shared the story about how God blessed us with a million dollar tithe from someone who follows these principles. And you know, I hope none of you heard me saying, well, now that we have this, this million dollars, did I say thousand dollars? No, million dollars. Now that we have this million dollars, you don't need to give because it's not about that. It's about bringing into the storehouse the first fruits, the best. We're modeling a God who's generous. God is generous, and we want to reflect who he is and be generous. You know, there's tithe, which is the 10%, the first, and then there's offerings. That's over and above. So the tithe comes into your storehouse. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, don't be the mooch that comes to the potluck and doesn't bring a meal and doesn't do the dishes afterwards. Don't be that person. You know, be the person that's generous, the person that wants to give more, outdoing one another with love and good deeds. You know, just giving sacrificially and trusting God with the outcome, the time, talents, and treasures. So people also ask me, well, should I tithe on the gross or on the net? And I'm like, well, do you want to get blessed on the gross or you want to get blessed on the net? I mean, because you're given that first section, you're given way more to the IRS in most cases than you are to the Lord. And I'm convinced, and I've been through, I, I mean, I know I'm taking a risk here by even talking about this because I, I could talk about this. We could do a whole series on this, and many people do, um, because it's such a complex issue. It's so deep and so profound, but I firmly believe that if this is your church, if this is a place you call home, that that is where your tithe, your first 10% goes, then offerings can go somewhere else. If you want to give to World Vision, or you want to give to Jesus Feeds, or you want to give to other organizations that help the poor or whatever. But I am firmly, firmly convinced, and I can tell you Testimony after testimony after testimony where I have seen this, where I have seen the hand of God demonstrate his faithfulness. It's a principle just like gravity. And if you believe in that principle, you won't have to make excuses. I'm not trying to be harsh, but oh, and one other thing I really want to bring up. I hear sometimes that married couples have separate bank accounts. Don't ever do that. That is a dangerous place. If you are married and you have a separate bank account, that is a scary thing. You're, you're opening yourself up for a spirit of division and a spirit of independence and a place of where you can get sketchy. If you have separate bank accounts, trust the Lord. Put it together and, and work it out as a married couple. And give out of your love for the Lord. Be a cheerful giver. Don't give, again, I don't want anybody to give out of compulsion or out of like, you know, she said I have to do this. 
God loves a cheerful giver, but he wants you to be cheerful. He wants you to be free to be able to give unto him. In Proverbs 21.5, it, it says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I, I know there are three important things, three important principles to plan for. Give to God first. The second one is live within your means. And the third one is put a little bit aside if you can for the future. Plan for the future. Okay? These are three basic, basic principles. So it's generosity, the, the, the superhighway to financial freedom. Be a generous person. Plan. Plan to give. Plan to be generous. And then the third thing is surrender. You know, we sang two songs about that. I surrender all. I surrender all. I want to know you more. And I'm telling you, if you claim the name of Jesus, if you are a Christian and you are not fully surrendered to God in your finances, you are not going to experience the abundant life. It's a guarantee. He owns it all. And he's saying, I want to bless you. I want to pour out on you. I, I want to amaze you with my faithfulness to you. And if you believe in the principle, it is, it's black and white. It really is. It is like gravity. Proverbs 30, verse 8 says, First, help me never tell a lie, but second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. If you are a person who is not generous to the Lord or to other people, I can promise you, you're going to have anxiety. You're going to have financial anxiety and you're going to have strife. And and again, I'm just saying this because I am so absolutely convinced in my own life. I've seen the faithfulness of the Lord again and again and again in in my life and in the lives of other people, giving so that it hurts, giving to the point of sacrifice in the same way that the Lord did for you. And again, I want to say, if you have blown it, there is grace. We are here to help you. We are going to, we're we're willing to help walk people through financial counseling. We're willing to do, do whatever we can to help you to experience the freedom that God has for you. If you really want to change and you really want to see the kingdom of heaven expanded, we are willing to walk with you. 